0: This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. Hey everybody, Don LaGreca with the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. If you're anywhere in the Northeast, this is probably a very, very difficult day for you. For me, I live in central Jersey. It's been snowing basically since 1230 in the afternoon on Sunday. I'm recording this at 116 in the afternoon on Monday, and it's still coming down just as hard as it did 20s. Five hours ago and it's not going to stop until Tuesday morning so it's a scary situation so hunker down and that's why we got the podcast we've got plenty of hockey and I guess the good thing with fans not being in the building and travel really being at a minimum in the NHL this would be a day where I think a lot of games would be postponed but because most of the teams are already in their respective cities uh, at least right now it looks like all the games should be able to go off without a hit so at least we've got the ways of, of being entertained all right First things first, uh, the Tony D'Angelo situation, uh, the Rangers have waived him. He has cleared waivers, as we've talked about, um, as we're talking right now, and he will most likely be traded by the organization. The Rangers will just have to work something out contractually to make it maybe a little bit more enticing for somebody to take the two years left that he has on his deal. All right, here's what comes down. There's been a lot of misinformation out there, all right? I was able to get pretty much the lowdown, all right? This is not a fight between he and Keandre Miller. There was a whole report about how he took Miller's first National Hockey League uh, goal puck away. No, no, that that is not true. That did not happen. Uh, That Miller broke up the fight between Georgiev and D'Angelo. That did not happen. That Chris Kreider broke up the fight and punched D'Angelo. That did not happen. Here's what took place. Saturday, if you watched the game between the Rangers and the Penguins, there was a turnover. D'Angelo was on the ice, and by the way, was on the ice for the three other goals the Penguins scored in the game. And there was miscommunication between himself and Georgiev that led to the game-winning goal by Crosby. Coming off the ice, D'Angelo got into it with Georgiev, and Georgiev certainly upset from the loss. And, and if you know him, if you followed his career at all, he does not take losing lightly. He had enough, and they went at it. Uh, Georgiev feels very bad about it. But the New York Rangers have kind of just gotten fed up with D'Angelo. And this has nothing to do with the MAGA stuff and the Trump stuff. This has to do with the fact that he has just not played consistently. He's a minus six this year with one point. He's already been benched because why? Because he he had a bad penalty, blew up at the official, and took an extra on sportsmanlike conduct. He's blown up at teammates. He's blown up at coaches. But more importantly, he's blown up at officials. And in a league right now, with the current schedule the way that it is, where in all likelihood the same officials are going to be on the ice the next game you play, that's going to hurt what's happening on the ice. He did have a great year last year with 53 points. He is a dynamic dynamic offensive player. (laughs) can be that. But he's just not worth the trouble right now. He's just not. He's uh, somebody that's just a little bit too emotional. Uh, He doesn't think before he does, and he's been talked to about it, and now it's finally come to a head and the Rangers are done. So this is not a, uh, a cancel culture situation. This is not as political as you may believe it to be. And the reason I say not as you believe it to be, because I think a lot of the decisions he has made politically, like getting off of Twitter and the accusations of burner accounts and all that I think come from the fact that, he he does before he thinks, and, and that's something that I think has been a problem for him. And the Rangers just had it, and they are moving on from it. And it's really not anything more than that. And if you look at it at just those terms, that, that should be enough. This is a team that's got a lot of young players. They're trying to grow towards something here, and he has just not been worth the trouble. He just has not been. Every great game ends up getting followed up by a head-scratcher. Look how many times he's been benched. So, you know, decide whatever you want as far as who's right, who's wrong here. But I can tell you that's the way the information went down and anything else that you're hearing is not true. And those reports are bogus. All right. As far as the Rangers are concerned, you can lump the Islanders in this with, with them, too, It is You know All these overtime losses, they're losses, and and they're they're killing you as far as trying to climb up the standings here. The Islanders and the Rangers are both at the bottom of the Eastern Division, and it's going to be difficult to get out. Islanders have lost now um, five consecutive games. They have been able to earn points because of the last couple of games, them losing in overtime, but they've got eight points in nine games. The Rangers have six points in eight games. And now when you look at the last playoff spot, which is right now possessed by Pittsburgh, you're talking about being back by by three points and by five points with the New York Rangers. And you may not think that that's a lot. And it's still very, very early in the season. There's still 48 games left for the Rangers, 47 games left for the Islanders. But when you're playing each other and all these three-point games, I mean, Saturday night, it seemed like everybody, everybody in the division played a three-point game, right? Yeah, let's go back over the... um, The game's on Saturday. Rangers-Penguins ended in overtime. Devils and Sabres, a shootout. Islanders and Flyers ended in overtime. Capitals and Bruins ended in overtime. Every game in the division was decided in overtime of the shootout, which means they become three-point games, which means it makes it difficult for teams to be able to make up ground. And when three points becomes six points becomes 12 points, as far as your deficit in the division, you're cooked. So... It's the same script for the Rangers. Three consecutive losses against the Penguins in which they had a lead in the third period, in which they were outplayed in the third period, and every mistake ends up at the back of the net. Same with the Islanders, okay? They did an awful job against Washington blowing the three-goal lead. They did a good job last night coming back from two goals down, but they couldn't get that goal and they needed it to lose again in overtime. And Philadelphia's finding ways to win people. But also, you know, you lost a game in which you gave up 17 shots. And the one thing that Barry Trotz has been very satisfied with, with this team, is the fact that they do a good job of defending. But you've also got to get goaltending. So you can't go out there and give up 17 shots on goal. And you say, well, three goals on 17 shots. Well, when you're, let's face it, you're somewhat limited offensively. It's not like you're ultra explosive, but... Yeah, you just, you, you got to get better goaltending. Simeon Barlamov cannot give up three goals on 17 shots. So the goaltending has to be better for both of these teams, and they just can't continue to make the same mistakes. Islanders, again, are playing well defensively, but there's, just, there's a lot of losses we just didn't expect. I know it's early, and I have, I have a little bit more faith in the Islanders than the Rangers because I think the Islanders are more equipped to win now, but you can dig yourself a nice hole. Um, sticking in this division, Devils get three points in the last two games. Uh, they've been kind of fun to watch. Sabers have as well. Sabers went one in the shootout on Saturday, but then the Devils uh, they find a way to be able to get it done on Sunday with a five to three victory in regulation. So things are starting to come together a little bit for New Jersey, getting some opportunities. Brat's now back; they're hoping for Heishir to get back. So getting a little bit um, healthier. Uh, a couple of the other things from the uh, weekend: good job out of the Hurricanes. Dallas have been unbeatable. Hurricanes walk in, um, in in their own building and beat them a couple of times. That was that was pretty impressive as well. So that was good. But really, the story to me over the weekend, and we really we've talked about this before at length. But it, it deserves to be talked about even more. And if you followed my Twitter over the weekend, you saw it. Sydney uh, Sidney Crosby's on, on a level that has been, I think, the gold standard um, of watching hockey for the last 15 years. You know, for, for a certain generation, he's there, Wayne Gretzky. Um, but Connor McDavid, I think, might be even at a higher level than him. And, and it may sound like... Uh, blasphemy what I'm saying because he doesn't have the hardware that Crosby has. Well, quite frankly, you know, Crosby's been on a better team. He's played with better players. You look at the players that Crosby's played with and the team that he's played on, as opposed to Edmonton, which is really, since their Stanley Cup run in '06, have not really been able to gain any traction whatsoever. Now, he's got Dreisaitl with him, and Nugent Hopkins is a really good player, and Nurse is a good player, but we know about their deficiencies in goal. We know about the rotation of general managers and coaches that they've had over the last few years. But just from a pure entertainment standpoint, he is just hes jaw-dropping. He, he is. Uh, he, is the, he is the person. Right, If I'm Gary Bettman, he is the person that I've got to try to find a way to make the face of this league. Now, he is not a personality by any stretch. If you've ever seen him, he hardly smiles. Okay, um, I'm not talking about it from that. I'm talking about when you want to sell the game, sell the sport, you sell it through this kid's play because he's captivating and you don't have to know the sport to know how well he plays it. And that goal that he had against Toronto on Saturday, when he literally threw, flew through the entire team and scored. I mean, when I retweeted that and just said, "Oh my God," I was getting people that aren't hockey fans that just were shocked by that type of skill. What what separates him? And I remember having a long conversation with um, Phil Bork, who is the radio analyst for the Pittsburgh Penguins and a longtime Penguin, played for the Rangers um played in this league a long time. And we were talking about McDavid and, and he, he said there there it's not just the speed. Like there might be players that are faster than him. Um there that will beat him in a race. But he can, and I think this includes everybody, all right, that ever has played the game. If you want to go back to the fastest players that you can remember playing in the game, like how fast Scott Niedermeyer was and how fast right now a Carl Haglin is, if you want to really go back into the day um, to to look at some of the the, the real rabbits that were in this sport, that um, none of them could do the skill things that he can do at the speed in which he does them. And his hand-eye coordination is just unbelievable. So he may not have the instincts of Gretzky, uh, the smarts of a Crosby, but he's got the skills, some of the greatest skills that I've ever seen, combined with some of the greatest speed that I've ever seen in this game. He is just – he is an absolute joy to watch. Over the last couple of days, I got to see a lot of him on Saturday – Against Toronto because whenever Toronto and Edmonton get together, sign me up. I'm watching that game. You know because just the amount of skill that's on the ice is is unmatched. I think in the league, and then you get Ottawa limping in the next day, and Edmonton just lights it up. In which McDavid only had the one goal, but he had six points on the day. I mean, come on, a goal and five assists and an eight five victory. It it, it just and, and and the goals that he scores, it just. It's really uh just highlight real stuff. And I don't know where it's all gonna come down to because it's it it may be a while before Edmonton gets itself together. And and the true great ones in this sport have all won. You know, it, it's hard not to win when you have all of that skill back in the day. So, you know, Gretzky's got his cups, Messier has his cups, Curry, you know, that group and then you go LaFleur with a ton of cups, Mario won two, Ovechkin now has a ring, Crosby's got got rings. I don't know what's going to happen with Conor McDavid. I mean, he's going to be in this league, for, I hope, for the next dozen years. Um, And I'm not begging for him to leave Edmonton either because you can be a star anywhere in this league. I I hope he gets a chance to do it at the highest level. I really hope he gets the chance to compete for a Stanley Cup because it really would be a shame to see this type of skill level not be appreciated but for a couple of odd runs to the first or second round of the playoffs. He really deserves to be on the grandest stage playing – uh, and when I say the grandest stage, I'm not saying a bigger market. I'm saying getting a chance to play in the Stanley Cup final, getting a chance to play where everybody sees him. And and I give NBC Sportsnet credit. They've put Edmonton on quite a bit, um, not just in the playoffs, but in the regular season. The last time that Edmonton and Toronto played, they put them on NBC Sportsnet. Um, I'd love to be able to see him end up on NBC. I know they're probably loath to have – especially with the with the time difference of having that Sunday afternoon game involve the Edmonton Oilers, especially if the team is very average and you're not going to get the, the rating from the, the, the fan base because of the game being up in Canada. But if you're just able to market, you know, or if they're able to get like a winter classic involving Toronto and Edmonton, and I know that would be a heritage thing up in Canada, but if you could kind of just do that to just market some of these skilled players, especially in Toronto with Matthews, who's an American-born player, Um, That would just be some tremendous, tremendous stuff. Um, That really popped out to me this weekend, just seeing – um, him play, especially at that level. It just, it's really incredible. A bunch of games tonight. Rangers and Penguins again. Can the Rangers crack the code of the Pittsburgh Penguins? Uh, the Montreal Canadiens, who finally lost a game in regulation this weekend as they got shut up by the Calgary Flames, will be hosting uh, a team that they took care of pretty much in Vancouver last week. Uh, the Canucks. Again, the Bruins and the Capitals. Give the Caps credit. They're 6-0-3. Uh, no losses in regulation. Uh, uh, the most games played by a team that is yet to lose in regulation. Ovechkin had the game winner against Boston on Saturday, although Boston did come back from 3 nothing down to force that overtime. You know, the Bruins very quietly are at 5-1-2. and 2. They've got Pasternak back. So that should be pretty good. Uh, lightning home for the Nashville Predators. As I mentioned, Calgary finally gets a win in Montreal. They'll be in Winnipeg to take on a Jets team that is five and 5-3 on the year, coming up a loss to Vancouver on Saturday night. And again, the Vegas Golden Knights and the San Jose Sharks, that game was supposed to be in Arizona post-Bone because of the COVID situation uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights. So we'll see when they get a chance uh, to play again so uh, let's let's hear from you i know a lot of people probably chomping at the bit to talk a little hockey here on a snowy monday uh, let's go to troy who says aside from canada what other nhl cities past present and temporary had arenas in less than ideal locations okay that's a great question well the the big one obviously is arizona all right And I've been to Arizona. I've been to a game in Arizona. That's that's the one place I haven't called a game, but I've been to a a Blues Coyotes game back in 2013. They've got a nice setup there with some restaurants and some things for for people to do before and after the games. But you know, the problem is it's in Tempe, you know, very far outside of Phoenix and Scottsdale, some of the hubs of Arizona. So that's always been looked upon as a really tough place. Um, Ottawa certainly way off the beaten path, not really close. Um, just going through my mind's eye. I can't really because most well, you know, Sunrise in Florida too. I think is a little off the beaten path. Again, it's in Sunrise, so it's a it's a it's a little off the outskirts of Fort Lauderdale. So if you stay in Fort Lauderdale proper, it's a it's a decent ride to get to the arena. So it's kind of in the suburbs a little bit so i know some people down in that florida area so it's not really close to miami it's a, like i said when we stay in fort lauderdale when we call pa- ranger panther games and it is a good you know half you know half hour 40 minute ride with all the traffic to be able to get to the arena uh that would certainly be a place where it's a, it's a little a little off otherwise just quickly kind of scanning down the league i really i can't say that there really is any other issue i know you know, Raleigh's very small. I mean, so there's nothing really around the arena. The arena is kind of it's on the campus of NC State, so it's not like you're when you leave the arena there are any restaurants or kind of bars to go to. So maybe Carolina kind of falls into that uh, category Uh, but otherwise all the new arenas have really addressed uh, that situation so those would be the ones off the top of my head that I'd say would be a bit of an issue Chris says after four straight wins AV and many of the Flyers are not necessarily pleased with their play and um, commented that they can and should be better with Couturier returning soon, is this a team that can realistically raise their game? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, I think that I think they got right with the Devils and the and the Islanders catching them at the right time. So I do think these four consecutive wins have shown some holes. But Nolan Patrick has been playing well. You get Goss Despair back in the fold again. Uh, the goaltending has been uh, has been better. But no, I look at that Flyer team and I still think they're championship caliber, and I do think they can get better. As you said, you get Couturier back. Giroux's playing very well. Um, that is a team that I think can get a little bit more going. Uh, JC says, "What's wrong with the Islanders? Can they start winning some games and playing up to their ability?" Sure, they can. You know, they are getting points, which I think is important. And as Barry Trott said, they are playing well defensively. I think the goaltending has to be better, and I think you need a little bit more consistent goal scoring. You know, you take a look at this league. You know, scoring two goals a night, even when you have a defensive posture the way the Islanders do. You do put a lot of pressure on yourself. I do think the Islanders are going to be okay. Uh, Robert Thee says, what's going on with Libor Hayek? With D'Angelo gone, Uh, for all intents and purposes, Johnson hurt and Smith in the doghouse. He still can't get a crack in the New York Rangers lineup. Well, he didn't have the greatest of camps. I think they do believe he's got a future here. We'll see with D'Angelo gone now and Smith hurt, how it's going to kind of rotate there. But uh, Coach seems to be happy with what he has. Uh, Smith's in the doghouse, but Smith Smiths can dill, still do some things. But I do think we'll see Libor Hayek at some point. But when he did not make the team and you kind of saw the numbers game, that they were kind of disappointed in how Libor had played. Um, Richard uh, says, hey, Don, oh, my God, TDA will miss you quite the fall in 24 hours. Uh, cute question: Have we had enough of this goaltender rotation? It's time to declare the New York Rangers have a number one. Is it Chustergin? Georgi is a fine number two. Um, uh, I think the rotation right now is probably a good idea. Um, they both kind of get used to. Well, you know, Larry Brooks. We brought this up in a podcast previous. Larry Brooks. I uh, brought up in a pod, uh, brought up in the post game uh, a, a couple of games ago about now with Hank being gone is there a lot of stress on these two that they don't have that insurance policy anymore and and, and Quinney did not dismiss it out of hand which tells me that yeah it's got to be tough. I mean, here's a kid that's from Russia, you know, played 12 NHL games in the regular season last year and now he's getting handed the number one job when Georgiev has done a very good job himself with this team. So I think with the limited training camp, no preseason games, you kind of want these guys to earn it. And now you know when you're going to play. You know they're going to alternate now, uh, get a little competition going, and you know how Quinn will get. You know if if Georgi, he says it's going to be every other game, but you know he'll get a feel for it. And you know if Georgiev goes out tonight, or, or Shostorkin's going to play tonight, but you know. um if one of them goes out and has a 50-save fifty, game, 50 save performance and steals a game and he has a hunch that I want to go back with this guy and and then you win three, four in a row, that could change. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong, especially in this day and age where you don't see, obviously this year is a, a bad example with just 56 games, but um, that you don't see goaltenders playing 78 games anymore. I mean, your backup goaltender is going to have to go out there and be ready to play 20, 25 games. He has to be ready and be ready to maybe become the number one if there's an injury. So I don't think there's anything wrong with your backup playing. I don't think there's anything wrong with some good, healthy uh, competition. Um, Tony Terrific says are McDavid dry saddle the best duo in the NHL today also where would you consider McDavid's goal on Saturday versus Toronto as his best on the list it, it would, certainly was to me he's had some tremendous ones but that to me would be at the top of the list and hey, yeah, there's nobody close right I mean because you could talk about when Landis ranted in. And McKinnon play together in Colorado, although a lot of times they don't get a chance to play together. And there's been some injury situations with them where they haven't had a lot of consistency the way that Saddle and McDavid have had. Um, but here's the thing. like if You go back in great duos in the history. You go back to like Lemieux and Stevens. If you go back to you know, uh, Gretzky and Curry or whatever, there was always one major dominant guy. And then there was the other one that was able to pick up points just because of how good the other guy was. I don't want to do that to Dreisaitl because even though I just spent a good portion of this podcast praising McDavid, Dreisaitl's a hell of a player too. Uh, I'd be hard-pressed to say that there's anybody really better than them right now. They're just absolutely uh, fabulous. Um, Let's see – Heard enough of uh, Tony D'Angelo, according to John. What are your thoughts of the NHL's injury reporting policy? What is the purpose of being so vague? They are the only major sport that doesn't allow full disclosure. Personally, I don't believe it is fair to the fans. Game misconduct, any chance that it will change? I I think a lot of this, especially with the, um, the protocols for COVID, a lot of this stems from the reaction that the report that last year, or I shouldn't say last year, but early in the pandemic when – when it was reported that Austin Matthews tested positive and he flipped out so i think a lot of the league was kind of sensitive to kind of keep that on the down low and so now you got to be vague about everything right because if you can't say it's covid then you can't say it's anything else because if you don't say it's something then they're going to just assume it's covid so i think i i think the the coronavirus has really put them in a tough situation um i i understand your frustration, but here's the way I've always looked at it as a fan, right? Just tell me if he's in or out, all right? that That's what I want to know. I mean, if I play fantasy hockey or I'm just a fan, is he in or is he out? All right, the day-to-day, I get it. Sometimes you just don't know. But I would like to know in an early enough time or early enough fashion, is he playing tonight? How many games is he going to miss, if you can tell me that? Upper body, lower body, I guess it doesn't matter, you know? if he's If he's got a bad ankle, bad foot, hey, if he can't play, he can't play. I mean, that's ultimately what you want to know, right? That's ultimately what the other team wants to know, right? If you're a fan of the other team, is is, is Crosby playing tonight? Is Malcolm playing tonight? Is 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 Dreisaitl playing tonight? These are the things that you kinda want to know. And um, so I think the, they're kind of betwixt in between right now. I think a lot because of the Austin Matthews situation from last year. Finally, Giancarlo says, is the blame of the fiasco happening with the Rangers more on Quinn? Team seems to be lacking the leadership when things aren't going well. Well, if you're talking about the fight with D'Angelo, I don't really know how more swift the Rangers could have been with this. I mean, I think they were patient, but but when when it was time that something had to be done, they went to the drastic measures of this. Um, now, if you want to talk about lack of leadership within the room, not having a captain, if that's what you're kind of alluding to, I don't know. But to me... Uh, I I think we're looking for reasons to hate on Quinn because the team is underachieving. Um, I don't really look at this as a David Quinn problem. As a matter of fact, I think he tried to make the most of it as as well as he could. Um, The organization acted swiftly. They took care of its situation. Uh, I think the players, for the most part, will get along with each other now. And I really don't think it's a leadership issue from the coaching standpoint. I would like to see them find a captain. But that's got to be a natural process that we just don't know, not being inside that room, how in-depth we can get about that. But uh, this was fun. Uh, If you're wondering why no EJ, we had a tape early today, and EJ was unavailable until a little bit later, and the snow kind of messed everything up. So we're going to bring back EJ on Wednesday, because that's when we're going to bring back Game Misconduct and EJ will be our special guest then, and we'll see if there's anything new on D'Angelo, see if there's anything new on the Vegas Golden Knights situation with their, um, their their positive tests and all that, and we will get to the bottom of everything that's going on in the National Hockey League. So we'll take a day off tomorrow, try to get all the snow out of here, and hopefully everything will be better when we reconvene uh, coming up uh, on Wednesday. Um, and then just stay in touch at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct, Um, if you need anything in between then and get updates on when we're going to be taping and how you can get involved and all that. So we will talk to you again on Wednesday. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don McGregor.